Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to My Millennial Property. Emily Wallace here, riding solo today. If you're new around here, usually I'm joined by John Pigeon, but I am just doing a solo ep today and I am talking all things buying, specifically how to be a great buyer. What does it mean to be a great buyer? How can you stand out in the eyes of the agents when it's a really hot market? And what do you need to know in terms of the industry secrets and insights? I am a buyer's advocate. However, I have sat in many sales offices uh, when it comes to real estate agents. I've been in on their sales meetings. I speak to them regularly. I'm friends with a lot of them. And I kind of know what you need to know to make sure you're putting your best foot forward when you're going to buy your next property. So strap yourself in. I'm going to unpack everything in detail. Get ready to take some notes or some mental notes if you're on the go. Let's get into it. I was brainstorming quite a few topics for an episode to do solo. And actually, it's really hard to do an episode without John because I'm just talking, hoping that people are nodding along in agreement. Usually I have John on the screen or in person. But the reason I wanted to do this particular episode around how to be a great buyer is because there's actually a lot of content out there around how to be a great tenant or prospective tenant you know, cover letters, applications, what to say, what not to say. So I want to do the episode all around being a buyer. And for you as the maybe first time looking to buy, maybe it's your second time, but I guess what we classify as the general public, not the actual industry insiders, I wanted to pull the curtain and let you have a little look behind the scenes at what actually goes on. Long-time listeners will know I'm a Melbourne-based buyer's advocate, so that means that I work on the buying side and I am all for the buyers, like I'm absolutely cheering you on on the sidelines here. But because I hold that role, I've actually been privy to a lot of real estate agent sales meetings where they discuss buyers and I understand what they're looking for in buyers, how they rank them and what is a green flag and what is a red flag in their eyes. Some of these are quite obvious, but some of them might be new information to you or things to consider. So let's start from the very, very start. On your buying journey, it is really pivotal to do some key research. And John and I have touched on this many a time around what to do before you're even technically ready to actually purchase. What is the purpose of your purchase? Is it an investment or somewhere to live in? Do you understand what exemptions and concessions you're eligible for or even grants that you can be eligible for and schemes? Getting your finance sorted, and I cannot stress this enough, and we've said it time and time again, but if if it is your first time listening today and you've seen this thing about how to be a great buyer, please, absolutely, number one, if you're writing things down, get your finance sorted. And that actually may mean going to a mortgage broker, getting them to have a look at your financial situation currently and planning for a pre-approval because banks do look at the history of your finance. They look at your spending 
And they take that into consideration, heavy consideration, when they are assessing your borrowing capacity because they're looking at your income and your expenses. And if you've had really poor spending habits or you're basically living paycheck to paycheck, it could be quite difficult for a lender to assess it favorably for you. So my advice would certainly be to get a mortgage broker on board ideally before you're actually ready to buy because they will walk you through the preparation for a pre-approval and for going forward for the loan. And if your finances aren't in the greatest shape, they could help you alongside potentially a financial advisor or maybe just some great budgeting tools. Hint, hint, the Glenn James spending plan would be a great starting point for that. Uh, We'll link that below as well. But it's really important to be ready for a loan. Just a note on mortgage brokers, and I'm just going, if you've listened to me do a solid episode before, you'll know I go on lots of side notes and tangents. This is one of those. A side note about mortgage brokers, Glenn has handpicked a number of mortgage brokers that he feels are suitable for the community and has put some real strong work into making sure the brokers are of good quality. So if you need a broker, there's a panel of them that Glenn can put you in touch with. I uh, believe it's sort your money out forward slash get help and you can request to be put in touch with a mortgage broker. The one thing I would personally say about brokers is a lot of them have the same lenders on their panel and unless your situation is really complex, a lot of them can do the same thing. The biggest thing I personally think you need to look out for when it comes to a broker is how comfortable you feel in trusting them with knowing your financial situation. I know some people are quite reserved about money, others are quite open about it, but in order to submit for a loan, you have to submit a lot of personal information and it is pivotal that you trust that mortgage broker with handling that information and knowing that information about you. So just keep that in mind, make sure that the trust is there and the communication is strong and if something doesn't sit right, go and speak to another one. But one thing to be careful of is not to lodge multiple pre-approvals. Once you've picked a broker you want to go forward with, they will do the pre-approval process for you. You don't have multiple brokers lodging multiple pre-approvals for you. That's um, sometimes a bit of a misunderstanding for first timers. But once you have a mortgage broker, typically that is who you submit your pre-approval through and you stick with that mortgage broker. So, The first thing in being a great buyer is having your finance sorted and being financially ready to go forward for a loan. The second thing is doing your research online. So there's a lot of things you can do in terms of looking through sales data, looking through floor plans, understanding areas, all from the comfort of your couch in your own home with the trusty old realestate.com or domain and a bit of Google Maps. Once you understand the loan amount you can go forward for and the purchase price of the property that you feel comfortable with, you can start looking through some sold data, ideally just the last three months, maybe six months if it's a low stock area, of properties that have sold in your budget with the right amount of accommodation in the area that you want to be in. Now, some of you might be thinking, but I don't actually know the area that I want to be in. So let's take one step back actually. If you don't know the area that you'd like to live in, you need to go out there and spend some time. One of the the best activities I could give you to do is go and do your groceries in the new location. So assuming that it's 
drivable distance from where you currently live. Perhaps, and this is a common situation, a lot of people are renting in the inner city, but they're moving a little further out from the city to get a place with a land element or just a different lifestyle. Drive out there, maybe you do your Sunday groceries, go and do them at the local supermarket. I personally think it gives a good indication of the sense of community that's there and the feel and the look of the place. Maybe go and have a dinner in the area or a morning coffee with a walk, maybe with the dog. It's a big commitment to agree to an area that you've never lived in before. If money allows for it, maybe go and rent an Airbnb for a couple of nights, do a short stay in the area because people don't really buy a home to just live in them for a year. A lot of people buy homes to be there for five plus years. And yes, I am talking home specific and that's always my default because I only buy homes that people live in. If you're uh, buying an investment property, if you're going it alone, you probably need to spend time in the area to understand what it looks and feels like, but really you should be more data driven than emotionally driven. None of that fluffy stuff as John would usually say. (laughs) I deal with the fluffy stuff, he deals with the numbers. (laughs) But I would certainly say if it's a home you're going to live in, go and spend some time in the area. By the time you reach the point of going to an open home, so an open for inspection, an open home, whatever you call it in your respective state, everyone has different lingo. Oh, by the way, just on that note of lingo, here we go on another side note, hope you're keeping up. Buyer's advocate and buyer's agent are the same thing. Except, except, this is where it gets a little complicated. Buyers advocates and buyers agents or buyers agencies, if they're, you know, a larger group, are engaged by a buyer to go out, source, inspect and negotiate properties on behalf of that buyer. They're independent. They work with all real estate agencies, so the selling side, to get opportunities. Now, here's where the little um, difference is. You may find that within a real estate agency, there is someone with the title buyer's agent. What that really means is there's one person in the office dedicated to managing the buyers that come through their open homes or open for inspections and try to match them to properties. But here's the catch. They can only match them, the buyers, with properties that are listed by that agency. So let's just say it's Ray White, for example. That's a pretty common household name in the real estate space. Ray White have selling agents and then they have this one person in the office called a buyer's agent and this buyer's agent keeps up with all the buyers that have ever come through a Ray White open home and asks them, are you still searching for a property? Can I help you at all? They're the person who calls you typically on the Monday asking for your feedback and they will try and match you to properties that are listed by Ray White. However, a true independent buyer's advocate, buyer's agent that you actually pay for is engaged by you to independently look at all agencies and all properties that are available to get you the best possible outcome. So just keep that in mind. Now, where was I before my side note? Oh yes, I was talking about by the time you go to an open home, you should know the area because that's that's something you can do before you attend an open for inspection. And you probably should have a bit of a sense of past sales and some like-for-like properties of the one you're about to inspect. And here's my first real tip about being a great buyer in terms of facing towards the agents. What does that look like? The first thing, and I don't know why people do this or don't do this, 
don't give a fake mobile number or email address to the real estate agent when they ask to register your details. It's very awkward when at some point you might end up buying a property from them and you've given them the wrong information. You do legally have to give or they have to collect a name and number, um, sometimes, not legally an email address. They don't have to get that. That's so they can issue the contract and also send you marketing material. But you're entering a premises where it is required to register you as a buyer coming into that premises. So name, number is very typical. So please give them the right details. That's the first thing. Extra tip slash side note. If you don't want to be spammed with too many emails when it comes to buying a property, because I can tell you now, every agency has marketing campaigns that they will send out to you. And I am on gosh knows how many lists I am on. Like I am on thousands of lists. Uh, If you don't want that in your general inbox, I would strongly suggest setting up an email address specifically to house hunting, particularly if you're buying with a partner, have an allocated email address. It might be a joint email address or it might just be, you know, your initials A plus J house hunting or something at gmail.com. Do that. And then when you're finished house hunting, you can simply just stop opening up that inbox and no longer be spammed with marketing material from the agents. So you're going to the open home, you're giving your correct name and number, you're walking around. And sometimes I actually personally hate this, but sometimes the agents follow you around the house. If you want space to say, hey, do you mind if we just, you know, walk around the property, we'll ask questions at the end. Don't be afraid to be transparent with them. But the biggest thing that you would do when you walk through a property or after you finish walking through the property, if it's an immediate no, like there's absolutely no way you're going to buy this property, Give the feedback on the spot. It doesn't need to be loud and in front of other buyers, but just in a constructive way, the agent, it's not the agent's home. They're not going to take offense to the feedback. It actually helps them because they want to be able to tell their vendors what the buyers are saying. If they're not giving the feedback to their vendors, then the vendor might question, are they even getting buyers through or are they even doing their job? So the best thing you can do if the property is not for you on the spot, inform the agent, hey, really appreciate your time letting us through today. Look, this one's really not for us because X, Y, Z. The second bedroom's too small. We wanted something that was a bit more finished or the photos made it look bigger than it actually is or there's a bit too much work to do and we really want a move-in ready property. Whatever it is, just give them some feedback so they know but also back it up with the fact that you are a serious buyer. So you could say, look, um, this one is one of four properties we've looked at today. We're really active at looking in the market and we hope to buy in the next X, Y, Z, whatever it is, two months, three months, as soon as possible when the right thing comes up. All those phrases are really positive indicators to a selling agent. And after the break, I will get into the nuts and bolts of how they categorize buyers and how you can be on the top of their list to not only get the word in on upcoming listings, but also get the inside scoop on off-market properties, because that is definitely the pinnacle of being a great buyer. If you are getting off-market properties that are not just a generic email off-market, like a genuine off-market property, you know you're listed as a great buyer. So let me take a quick break and I'll come back and tell you what that looks like. 
If you're after personal financial advice, don't get it from a podcast. If you would like help based on your own personal situation, head over to sortyourmoneyout.com. Click get help and we'd be happy to introduce you to one of our trusted advisors. We also have a panel of trusted mortgage brokers we can connect you with to get you into your first home, an investment property purchase, or to review your current loan if you don't have a broker. Our panel of advisors, mortgage brokers, and accountants work with clients all over Australia so they can connect with you wherever you are. That's sortyourmoneyout.com and click get help. 
opportunities if the agent is a good agent. Now, as a buyer's advocate, we get them because we do repeat business with agents all the time and we're a known quantity to them. They know that we act in a certain way, we make their lives easier and if it suits our client, we're very transparent with what we're expecting in terms of price and settlement and all those sorts of things. When it comes to a general public buyer getting access to an off-market property, if you do get one, the very least you can do is give feedback. It's okay if you don't like it. It's totally fine. Not every property is going to be for you. But to ensure you keep getting off-market properties, make sure you're prompt with communication to the agent. Ensure that you give feedback to them, very specific feedback they can give to the vendor and thank them for the opportunity to go through something that not everyone else was able to go through. The agents are your ticket towards getting more access to properties. And whilst they do work for the vendor, you kind of need them if you're not using a buyer's agent or a buyer's advocate. So it's a balancing act because, and I always say this, I've said this in so many episodes, The real estate agent works with the vendor, never ever forget that as a buyer. They are paid and engaged to get the highest price possible for a property, but they need buyers to make that happen. They also, the good ones who are thinking long-term and usually without discriminating against anybody or putting anyone in a certain box, but I must say the younger agents tend to have a longer view because they know if they help you buy your first home, it is highly likely in five, seven, 10 years, you're going to want to sell that home and upsize and they will want that listing to sell at that time. Real estate is extremely competitive. There are so many agents in the market. If they can put the work in now to almost guarantee a listing to sell in five, seven, 10 years time, they will certainly do that. So just keep that in mind but also know that they are engaged to get the highest price possible for the vendor. So these hot lists that they talk about in sales meetings, and the hot list is like a generic term because honestly, I've been to so many different agencies and sat in these meetings and they all use the same terminology, hot list. The people who are the top of the hot list are the buyers who have been an underbidder at an auction. Now, if you weren't an underbidder at the auction of that agent, let's just, you know, classify Ray White again because it's a one we started with. So say you went and bid on a, I don't know what's another generic, oh, McGrath. I think McGrath's pretty Oz wide. Say you went and bid on a property that was listed by McGrath real estate agents and you were the underbidder. And remember underbidder means you're like, you're the person who was basically second place. So no one gets second place in an auction because there's only one winner. There's, there's no second place. So you're called an underbidder. You were under the bidder who won it. You need to let the Ray White agent know that you were the underbidder because how else are they going to know? They're not attending the McGrath auction. They don't really care about the McGrath auction probably. Um, They will only know you're the underbidder if you tell them. So just send them a simple text after the auction. Hey, Ray White agent, we were bidding on number five Jones Street today listed with McGrath and we were the underbidder. It sold for whatever it sold for, 650,000 we're still looking, do you have anything suitable? That text message, particularly on a Saturday afternoon, could be golden because I can tell you now in the hot list of buyers, the people who are the underbidders are at the top of the list. And the reason they're at the top is because they have shown they are genuinely ready to make a purchase. 
The only way you can truly know someone's ready to make a purchase is to see their hand up at auction or a signed contract with an offer on a property. I think everything is all talk until there's action when it comes to buying real estate. And so when you show that you've been committed to something such as an auction that's quite serious and very committal, then agents really start to take you seriously. So make it known that you were an underbidder and leverage that. Whilst it may hurt in the moment that you missed out on a property that you really, really liked, I can guarantee you if you use it to your advantage, there is a very high chance you will get a door opened that wasn't going to be open for you before to a pre-market or an off-market or maybe a special favor from the agent with something that's on market, letting you know what the vendor will really sell for. And it could drastically fast track your property buying journey. So understand that that is really key. You want to be on that hot buyer list. The other key thing when it comes to being a great buyer, I think fundamentally is to take the attitude of trying to make the agent's life easier. I'm not saying do their job for them because they've got a job to do, they know how to do it. But for example, what I do, and you could do this too, if I'm going to bid at an auction for a client, I let them know first and foremost, I'm going to be there and I will be bidding. So they know I've not said anything about price. I've just told them I will be there and I will be bidding. That is gold to an agent because if they know someone's going to be there and they're going to be bidding, even if the property gets passed in, even if it doesn't hit the reserve, to have a hand up at auction means someone else might put their hand up too. And ultimately that's what they want for an auction campaign for the vendor to see it as a success. So I wouldn't hesitate. I wouldn't be shy. And I think there's this, all this sort of myth around, you know, holding your cards close to your chest and don't tell too much and don't say too much. By saying you're going to be bidding at auction, you haven't actually said to what amount. You haven't said you're going to win it. All you've said is you're going to be there and you're going to bid. And what I would do to show you're really prepared and you're a serious buyer is what I do. I send the details of the buyers and everything that's required for the contract in an email on the Friday night before the Saturday auction. So I usually put an email, hi, XYZ agent. I am anticipating the auction tomorrow. I will, I intend to be bidding. I always put actually, yeah, I usually put intend because who knows what happens overnight. But I usually say something like, I intend to be bidding at the, at the auction. Should we be successful? Here are the details required for the contract. Now, a lot of agencies now use a program called Real Time Agent, very similar to DocuSign. So it simply has your full legal names, your current residential address, mobile numbers, emails, and conveyancer slash solicitor details. Now, that's information that you could easily have on hand if you won the auction anyway. It's not that hard to gather that those details, although there's a lot of emotion after winning an auction and some people do some silly things. It's, I've seen some strange things happen post-auction, but even if you draft it to yourself so it's there and accessible, but one better, send it to the agent. So they've got it on file, they've got it on hand, should you be successful I think it shows you're being proactive and I think it shows you're serious. And even if you don't win that auction, I can guarantee you the agent will remember how prepared you were for the auction. And I dare say you will be getting a phone call on the Monday with a, first of all, hey, sorry, you missed that one. And second of all, here's what I've got coming up in my pipeline that might suit your needs. So being an underbidder, as much as it sucks at the time, and anyone listening who's missed out on an auction will probably be nodding along going, yes, it's the worst. But it's also 
sometimes the best thing that can happen because top of that hot list when it comes to the buyers that agents are looking at and I think that's probably the best place to be if you're writing solo in this home buying process. Now, what else could you be good at when you are dealing with agents? I think fundamentally communication is key. Um, You don't have to tell them your exact budget. You don't have to be showing all your cards. A lot of people are quite guarded when it comes to real estate agents. But working with them to get something done is important. Now, on the flip side of being a good buyer, there can be things that make you not necessarily a bad buyer, but certainly not a hot buyer. And funnily enough, the one thing that kept popping up in these sales meetings I was going to would be the buyers who have been around for like 12 months plus. And the, the sort of commentary from the real estate agents is like, are they ever going to buy? Like we've given up on them now. They've been to too many. They're not seeing value. They're not proactive. So just be careful that you are showing some actions that mean you are a serious buyer because sometimes there can be such thing as being in the market for too long and completely missing the boat, which is not good for you as a buyer. But also from the agent's eyes, it can mean that you don't look very serious and that you're not meeting the market with value because sometimes buyers can turn around and have a bit of self-reflection. If they've missed out on five or six auctions, something's not stacking up. You know, that that is a streak of bad luck possibly, but also are you aiming for properties that are just simply out of your price point and you need to reevaluate? If agents are giving you the feedback that, hey, you know, in this particular postcode, your budget might not equal a two bedroom, but if you step to the side further out a kilometre or two kilometres, whatever it might be, wherever you are in Australia, and, you know, you can definitely secure what you're looking for, take that feedback on board because I can tell you now, There are so many buyers who wait too long to adjust their search parameters because they're hanging on to this postcode or this area or a school zone and they can get completely blown out of the water when it comes to being priced out of the market uh, to the point where they even might miss the next suburb over if they wait too long. So just keep that in mind. And if an agent gives you feedback on what you're looking for and steers you in a different direction or suggests something, thank them for their advice and their time. Look into it. Don't take it as gospel, obviously, but look into it. Um, Agents who have been around for a very long time know the market. They know their sales. I'm sure there's some of them where you've been to an open home and they just reel off all these sales results so easily. It's because they're so specialized. Imagine just working in one postcode for you know, 10 plus years. They know every sale on every street. It's their job to know that. If they're telling you they feel that your budget isn't sitting in their postcode or in the area they're operating in, definitely take it on board and potentially look at where else you could see yourself living and where else you could buy. Now, I've gone down a lot of different rabbit holes in this episode but that's probably because I've been somewhat talking to myself whilst talking to you all about how to be a good buyer in the market. But to summarize, number one, communication is key. Don't give false contact details. Be prompt with reply to the agents. Be transparent. Don't ghost them. Like if all of a sudden you've decided against a property that you were keen on, that is okay. Just let them know because there's so few agents in every postcode. There's every chance that you will see them again if you haven't yet bought. So don't burn that bridge because they remember 
trust me, they remember. I have heard them recount stories of buyers they remember who they won't deal with or don't want to deal with in the future. So don't be that person. Make sure you communicate well. If you have been an underbidder on a property, even if it's not that agent's property, let them know, send them a text message on the Saturday afternoon or the Monday morning and let them know what it sold for and that you were the underbidder and you're still looking. Be prepared for auction with your contact details, um, even send an email to the agent showing that you're ready and you intend to be bidding on the day. And I think overall, just remember that agents are also people. And I know there's such a stigma around real estate agents, you know, they drive fancy cars and they wear fancy watches and they make lots of money. The reality is there's only a small percentage of them that actually make a really good income. The majority of them are really trying to get a sale across the line to make sure that they are meeting their commission targets for the month or the year, whatever it might be. And so by having buyers who are clear on what they're looking for, transparent in their communication, and good people to, I guess, quote unquote, work with, it can make their life a lot easier, which in turn makes your life a lot easier because you'll be able to secure a home sooner. Now, a lot of this stuff that I've told you today is certainly more relevant in a heated market where there are not enough properties to meet the buyer demand. And we're currently facing that in 2024. And I dare say we'll be facing that for quite some time. I don't feel there's evidence to suggest we will see a buyer's market anytime soon. We had a little bit of a buyer's market in 2019 and certainly in the first half of 2020. But after that, really, there has not been enough stock opportunities or houses available for the number of people who want to buy. So just keep that in mind. When you are in a, in a buyer's market where there's more properties than there are buyers, you have a lot more leverage and you will find that the agents service you very, very well because they need the sales. When they're in a seller's market where there's a lot of buyers and not a lot of sellers, you do need it to make an effort to stand out in the crowd because I can tell you now, when they just know a property is going to sell, there are minimal special favours that get done or you know special extra viewings, private viewings, access to off markets, those sorts of things that get done in a heated market because they simply don't need to be done. The properties are going to sell themselves anyway because supply and demand equation means they will sell and they will sell well. So just keep that in mind and balance it. Overall, I hope the podcast in general gives you the tools and value you need to feel knowledgeable in going forward with your home buying. There's a lot to know in this process. There's so many ins and outs that you need to be across. If you ever have a question you'd like us to answer, please put it in the Facebook group. That's the My Millennial Money Facebook group with a hashtag property on it. And if you have been a listener for a while and you sometimes people uh, just binge listen to our podcast when they're starting to buy or considering buying, which I just love. If that's you and you're yet to leave a little five-star review for John and I, we would sincerely appreciate that because it actually helps more people see our podcast. And I think our overall goal truly is to reach more people and help more people in the property buying process. So if you could do that, we would be very, very grateful. I hope you have a great week ahead. If you're driving, running, walking, commuting, whatever you are doing today, I hope you have a great day and I look forward to being back with you next week.
We acknowledge the Awabakal people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respects to their elders past, present and emerging. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. We love learning how to do all things well, which is why we have a bunch of different podcasts on a variety of topics. So go and check out My Millennial Investor, My Millennial Money Professional, My Millennial Career, My Millennial Money, My Millennial Daily and Retire Right. Find these wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement, target market determination, and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, and Glenn James are authorized representatives of Money Shepherd Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289. 